reflecting on the triple gem and it's Sangha, Sangha. <coughs> this sense is the for the Arya Sangha, the beings or the minds or the mindsets human human beings mindsets that go forth, go over the edge into transcendent take a step outside the person find a way outside the person pack Sakaya Ditti which is much more than just a a notion but uh, a notion that embeds itself in our emotional patterns a need to prove a need to be a need to be good at a fear of getting it wrong fear of what other people might think or say or fear of being seen steps out just moves through that uh, with with all its hard edges and boxes (coughs) coming out of the box so this is the Arya Sangha against the person pack also the um, what's called attachment or getting bound up or fondling or taking refuge in what are called a sila bhatta which are often used to be translated as rites and rituals but uh, so what's, what's that actually means systems and customs when you get a very universal way which I mean, you know, we try to hold on to the, doing the right thing. What's the right time? What's the right way to do this? And certainly this embeds itself in a Dhamma practice. What's the right structure? What's the right system? What's the right way to do this? Am I getting it wrong? How do I get into jhana? Do I this, do I that? Yeah. And, um, you know, is it Tuesday? Is it Wednesday? Eight o'clock, ten o'clock? You know, give me the right thing I can fit into, then I'll feel secure. Uh, the right way to be polite or appropriate conduct, we get very rattled around that. Fear of getting it wrong. Mm. Or the tenacious dogmatism of holding to what we assume is right, or system, or the tradition, or the rules we think can make us feel right mm. the right thing Darian mm. mm. steps outside that that steps outside of the security of that recognising that all our trainings and practices are there to just uh, you know, to trigger to, in, to engender to give rise to a purity of intention intention, purity of intention Mm. where we're not 
pushing forward and we're not holding back. Meeting, the meeting place. The moment beyond our conceptual (coughs) organizational mind, meeting directly with uh, purity of intention. You may wonder what that is, (laughs) purity of intention. Because normally with our intentions are generally very personal to try and do the right thing or make it all happen or get the right result. And uh, purity of intention means there's no result. We're not looking for results. Um, Finding that quality, and this is so precious, the quality of attention does not push forward, does not hold back. And you know, meeting what arises in that particular way. We're not trying to add up this and then that, and then this and that, this stage and then that stage, and then this point and then that point, and then I get to here and I get to there. Or I can't do this at all, I, I can't manage, I just, I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing now. Uh, in a way, the the better of those two positions is to be in the don't know flummox. <laughs> no, it's not particularly comfortable. Yes, that's okay. What, what's what's help? What's needed? What does this ask for? Just hold it. Just be with it carefully. Presence. No future. Death. The next moment, what comes through? This again in words may sound mysterious, but there is a ground of truth. Sometimes we only really sense it and are amazed by when we enter our can't do, when when something just gives up. Mm. And yet, we're attentive to that. We're attentive, we're awake at the place of surrender. Something comes through. Um, Maybe it's just a moment of initiative, intuitive sense of, oh, just breathe out. Not even a thought, something happens, shifts happen. And this is, of course, the... uh, the way it has to be, because uh, you know, we're coming to the place where the part person can't do it, and that's exactly the place where it's possible to turn or be shifted into another mode, the realization, the Aryan, gets beyond personality pack, beyond um, systems and customs, beyond doubt touch the ground, or the ground touches them. Mm. There's an interesting uh, phrase that's used one or two times, it touches the deathless in their body. Touches the deathless 
in one's own body. You know, not one of those kind of, uh-huh. <laughs> uh, what? If I'm in this embodiment, which is no longer pushing forward, thick-skinned, yeah. yeah, it's just open. There's a descent, we might say, the ground touches. It's a real shift moment. Things start to move by themselves. Things start to shift and release emotionally, somatically, attitudinally. And these are these are precious. The mm. Aryan. That's uh you know, sometimes it's just moment. And most of our practice with its uh frustrations and can't, uh, what's his stuck places, you know, and, you know, sometimes, certainly sometimes getting in stride and moving along nicely. Mm. It's just about, you know, finding one's balance, where you can flow with things, meet them in their own time, not in one's get past this, have another one of these, add this up time, which is the time of becoming, becoming Bawa, the time so often that we are structured into, getting ahead, moving on, making things work, getting results, and there's a stopping of that. Meet things as they arise, and stop time. So the Aryan, you know, someone moves past the time and the space boundary. Very often the moments when we are uh, really uh, floundering, there's a constriction of space. We feel very suddenly and tight, Push down under pressure, uh, and we run to our, our known strategies, and they don't really work. So we jump out of jump out of those difficult places into anything. We do generally, you know, reach out for something to do or say or touch or drink or look at or chat about because the awkward place is very those places where things squeeze you are indeed difficult these are places you just want to stop stand and be vulnerable and keep standing. When I say standing, I mean just holding the space, widening, 
softening, accepting the ripples of agitation or fear or disappointment or frustration, just the opening to those signals. Mm. Not going into them, letting them move through. Taking an out breath, finding the body within that, having the ground that will allow these phenomena to move through. So much of our embodiment practices and our metta practices are just to, you know, soften enough, open the textures enough to, instead of being inside the feeling that that lands on you, you widen through the feeling and emotion and the pressure that runs through you. You move forward without moving forward. You open rather than move forward or back. So the average person finds themselves beset by dukkha and dukkha rains down, rains its blows down on them. Dukkha sticks its weapons into them. They huddle. Uh, jump and prodded by dukkha. Mm. Dukkha is outside hammering me and I'm getting smaller and tighter and more jumpy within that, under that pressure. The penetration of the truth of dukkha is we open to it. Mm. It's no longer outside. We grow wider and bigger. And for a moment it seems to enter our hearts, then it moves through. It's kind of entering the heart, touching, and then moving through. Because there's no one there. See the openness. This is the refuge in vulnerability. Mm, almost the contradiction of what we would imagine a refuge would be. This is the upside down, seemingly way that the Dhamma is different from the way of the world. Mm, You find a refuge in openness and vulnerability rather than in security and boxes. is the practice of the Aryas, Arya Sangha, community of those who awaken. And we take refuge in them, we recollect them. These are beings who moved, the jittas moved out of the person pack without hatred of it, without dismissing it, without criticizing it, just found they were bigger. They could be bigger than that. They didn't abandon systems, training rules, proper ways of behavior, but they were no longer cowed by them, constricted by them. They they could use them. 
going to refuge in a purity of intention rather than just convention alone. And therefore they touched the Dhamma beyond conceiving and therefore beyond doubt. These are the fetters. Good to recollect the nature of the fetters. And so often in, in um, Buddhist terminology, it's always talking about all the problems, all the fetters, the bonds, the blemishes, the cankers, the taints, the outflows, the corruptions. It's so miserable. <laughs> we talk about, you know, <laughs> the, <laughs> the wonderful luminosity of enlightenment and, you know, getting your act together. But actually it's, it's kind of pragmatically true because uh, you know Buddha didn't really say that much about Nibbana really, yeah he did but mostly it's about all the things that stop you and uh, so often the, the uh, process is one of just acknowledging these and seeing them as they are seeing them as they actually are and who they are attacking, who they are constricting. And if we don't meet these, there's always assumption, kind of not a conceptual, sometimes indeed a conceptual assumption, but like an emotional assumption, this is all happening to me. This is all happening to me. How do I stop this feeling? this mood, this sensation, this pattern, this impulse, this habit, how do I stop it? And uh, why these, uh, so many of these obstacles are just literally picked out and placed. This one looks like this, this one looks like that. So it never describes the person who gets beyond it. Half them say they're free of this. So what this means is you really know the thing as a thing, an obstacle as an obstacle, without perhaps even calling it an obstacle, just feel it as that kind of pressure, that the face of the mind in those states, you, you hold your truth, you, you don't get phased by it, panicked by it, and holding the truth of presence, unconstricted, you pass, you pass through it. It's just a ghost. You know, if these things were actually substantially real, there'd be no way out. They're just confusions. And uh, if you keep backing away from shadows, they just get darker. So it's this uh, being able to acknowledge there's, there's room for specific clarity. This is the energies, this is how does this one feel. You get familiar with the frustration or the depression or the agitation. Could you paint a picture of it? Could you talk to it? Hmm? 
You see, you adopt a place which isn't, yeah, which is standing with almost with curiosity and openness. How is this? And so you're looking, you're in a way you're beginning to allow the chitta to enter or to t- return to its uh, unconceivable state. We don't know what to do. But we know this feels like this, it's like this, it's like you know. And even the labels we use, twenty things, anger or uh, fear or something like that, doesn't always help because as soon as you put the label on, you go up into your head, and then what am I going to do about this? And what am I going to fix this problem? I don't know what to do. Otherwise you'd have done it. It doesn't get resolved there. So we just feel instead of the, you know, fear or the irritation or the frustration, just feel the pressures, the surges, are like this. Hold your ground, touch your ground. Sangha. So very often in our, you know, certainly monastic Sangha, sometimes it can seem that it's all nice and secure, and these little monasteries are all getting away from the world, tranquil and peaceful meditating all day long. <laughs> it's, it's quite, because it's so open. Yeah. It's so open. That's the thing about monasteries. There's no, there's no charge. People just come in. We never put a gate on the door, on the front drive. We never lock the front door. We, we have a principle of not locking doors. The door of the meditation are always open so anybody can get in there, sit, take refuge in the middle of the night if they feel they need to do so from, from anywhere in the neighborhood. Just there's a place, there's a sanctuary. There's no gate, there's no lock. This means all kinds of people come in <laughs> in all kinds of states. And you have to meet that which arises. And it's. Uh, Drunk, chaotic, confused, obviously psychologically, you know, not all there. Okay. And then, of course, was the going out. So, you know, after no practice, arms round, you just go out. And uh, in Britain, particularly, this is uh, certainly moving over the edge. To just go out with a bowl and walk into a town, find a street somewhere and stand there. And you've got no sign, uh, you can't you know, give a wonderful Dhamma talk, you can't sit in meditation, just stand there useless on the street with uh, no resources. And uh, yeah, it's it's uh, touches some things because no longer you know it's it's receiving other people can be challenging, but allowing yourself to be received is even more because <laughs> you just don't know 
what's going to happen, what's going to meet you. And you stand there looking very odd. <laughs> Not necessarily a, a source of respect, but a ridicule or accusation. You stand there. Sometimes I went on a two month walk across Britain on my own with a bowl and a pack of sleeping bag and things like that. Walking and just going to towns and villages I'd never been to before. And just get the bowl out, stand. People walking by, you know. This is the only way you're going to get any food is if somebody gets the idea of putting something in your bowl. And after a while, you don't even care whether they put anything in your bowl. Just, I just want to get out of this vulnerable position. <laughs> being seen, you know, sticking out like a sore thumb, with no resources, no way to prove how good or wise or bright you are, just standing there. Uh, Holding, just that, keep holding the ground. And amazing enough, it, it, it sort of, certain people will see that and respond to it. It's uh, amazing because it's not me. It's not, they don't know me, they haven't, they don't, it's not me giving a talk or doing something through, you know, that might be inspiring. It's just me standing on a street, sometimes in the rain, you know, (laughs) getting wet. Occasionally, you know, getting into difficult positions. Somebody in this in this walking, somebody put me on a train. I was up in Scotland, a little train in a fairly remote part of Scotland. Mm. Seemed a quiet little train, but it happened to be the day when there was a big rock festival happening in the nearest town. This train was going to the city, so all the youngsters from all over the region were all getting on the train to go to this rock festival. Of course, they were in this very, you know, jubilant mood, jubilant and crazy, you know, uh, drunk, uh, drinking lagers and getting drunk and whooping up and down the train. And sitting there, thinking, oh God, just, just exactly what I don't want, you know. And of course, this kind of, weird guy sitting there with <laughs> robes on <laughs> and you know these young fellows about you know 17 16 17 18 the most uh all cancer lager and they're they're girlfriends he's all trying to you know the way that young men are showing how showing off in front of their girlfriends they were sort of poking each other and getting 
kind of feisty with each other, challenging each other, and drinking. And then, you know, there's a moment there's a group, about six of them, suddenly focused on me. I was sitting there, oh, well, here we go. <laughs> What's this going to be? Okay. Standing. No, here I am. They all gathered round. Well, it gathers putting it too gently as this kind of tangle of bodies thrusting around me, coming right up close to me. You know, I just stand there. Uh-huh. They start jabbering in this uh, very thick Scottish accents, drunk. I just stand there, kind of, yes, I'm a monk. I just about understand some of the things they're saying, yes, I'm a monk. No, I'm really a monk. No, I don't have any money. Sort of jabbering way, and it's suddenly they're whipping out their smartphones and taking photographs. I <laughs> think, <laughs> <laughs> what's going on here? Because uh, I can't hardly understand the language, and they're talking so fast. I was pushing his face into mine and jabbering away at me, you know, like, you know, and then this got his girlfriend and so so she's kind of wants to take a photograph and he's pushing her against me she says oh no 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 he's a monk (laughs) (laughs) oh wow that's interesting and uh and then they sort of jabbered away and then left and i thought okay what's all that and one of the people said well they really respect you That was respect. Yeah, that was their way of showing respect. <laughs> I just stand there. Going, I don't know. What can I do? Nothing. Just say who I am. Say what. Here I am. I'm on a train. Don't know where I'm going. Going somewhere. Yeah, nothing. And uh, you know, no, no money, no food, no, no shelter, no friend. Uh, and they seem to get it, you know. Mm. Mm, so these are, you know, touching those places where we do feel squeezed, uncertain. And this is where you, you know, the, the seemingly slender resource of just touching presence, breathing through the fear, the frustration, the can't do this, just touching that, being with that. You know, nothing you can do about this. It's just, you know, the jitta finally opens to something that you, you couldn't do and it, it arises and you just feel yourself somehow strangely supported. But it's not you that support, there's a heart that's supported. An open heart that recognizes that the next moment could be 
painful, but here you are. Time stops, space opens. And uh, whenever we find a touch that going, we're actually grateful for the challenge that pushed us out of our calculations and strategies and manipulations and pushed us through some uncertainties because they begin to, you know, get the, our, our somatic body and emotional body to travel to a new path, to travel a new way. Instead of rushing up and tightening up into our heads or into our chests or into our bellies or into our psychological patterns with those those pathways that are so well known, it discerns another pathway. Mm. It's not that I figure out that that very sankara, that very movement of energy, that very held thing, that quality that we seem to be at that moment, that seems to bind us, finds another path, a path to the ground to release. taking refuge eventually in the willingness to move into the vulnerable with openness. (coughs) It's not a dramatic, crazy plunge, it's a sense of a resolute and uh, open presence.